God is good? And all the time? Do you love Jesus today? Can we give Jesus a hand today? Would that be all right? He uh, as Ben just prayed that to them, he gave power to become the sons of God. Isn't that an amazing thought of Scripture? That through the power of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the gift of Jesus Christ, we can be children of God. That changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. And uh, hey, I just want to introduce to you one of our newest members of Hallmark, all right? So if you want to look to the screens here, we have a picture of Priya, yeah. We, we got we to do that together, ready? On the count of three, one, two, three. All right. Not for Nathan, for Priya, but uh, this is Pastor Nathan and Danny and their beautiful little girl, Priya, who was born Friday about 10.30 p.m., and so pray for them as they're supposed to get to go home this afternoon, but uh, don't we want to celebrate life? And uh, don't you appreciate that we have leaders now who will stand up for the right to live? Yeah, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. And so pray for Nathan and Danny as they get adjusted to not sleeping in the evening. And uh, so it'll be awesome. I'm thankful that it's theirs and not mine. And so... Uh, but hey, I want to invite you to join us tonight at 6 o'clock. So tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a special time of prayer, a special time of worship. As uh, you, If you've been around this year, you know we've, we have started the year with 40 days of prayer and fasting. We've been uh, really praying the prayer of Jesus. In John 17, Jesus prayed that the church, that we would be one, that we'd be in unity so that the world would know God loves them and they would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so it's an important goal for us as a church to be one. I mean, Jesus prayed that we would be one. And so we're going to have a special time of prayer tonight and, uh, and of worship. We're going to have some different uh, prayer stations set up for us to have some focused, intentional corporate uh, prayer and worship. So please be here tonight. We'll be here in the sanctuary at 6 o'clock. And uh, 6 to 7, a great time to really just come together uh, in prayer. Uh, last week, we were in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 today. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Ben uh, preached a great message on, again, this theme of one. And there's three points that he made on this, and that was that we would walk in community, that we would protect the community, and that we would grow up in community. That God wants us to, uh, that really the theme of the message, the main thought there was that the church needs you. Can, can you say amen to that? Amen. All right, let's try it again. The church needs you. Amen. That means you, right? You. Okay, who does that mean? You. Yeah, you should have said me, but I, I don't know. I was confused there myself. It means you. It means me. It means we. It's us, right? The church, that, that we are all needed, that God has called us to be in the community, to walk in the community, to grow in community, to protect the community. Again, we understand why it's the prayer that Jesus prayed, that the world, those who aren't in community, would find the community, the community being the church, followers of Jesus. Now, this morning, if you have your bulletin, I encourage you to get your bulletin out. Uh, to follow along this morning in the bulletin, and you can see right there at the, at the front, what is the big, big idea? What are, what's the goal this morning? What are we trying to focus in on this morning? And here it says, the purpose of the church is to make God known. And you know, there's a couple ways of saying that. 
The purpose of the church is to make God known. We could say that our goal is to make disciples who make disciples. We, we could say that our goal as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus. But it's the same purpose, right? We can word it a little differently. But what are we trying to say? What is Paul trying to say? What does Jesus want us to say? That the purpose of the church is to make God known. So we're going to read uh, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. But before we get to all of that, I want to focus in on verses 10 and 11. And verses 10 and 11 are going to reiterate the big idea, what we're trying to go for. So we're going to kind of zoom in on verse 10 and 11, then we're going to pull back and look at the rest of the chapter. So Ephesians 3, verses 10 and verse 11 say this, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. So, so you just see what he's, Paul is saying here, just a simple statement. It's, it's, on, it's bolded here on the screen that God might be made known by who? Who's supposed to make God known? What does it say here in the scripture? Say it again. The church. The church. We're to make God known. It goes on to say in verse 11, according to the eternal, what's the word there? All right. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we see here this theme, this idea that we kind of pull out of verse number 10 and 11. The purpose of the church is to make God known. We want people to know God. We want people to be made disciples. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. And so Paul is going to kind of unpack this. Um, And we've made two statements the last few weeks that I hope you're kind of maybe processing through. Those two statements are this. Purpose trumps preference. Okay, if the goal of the church is to be in unity, okay, that doesn't mean uniformity. That means unity, like that we understand that, that my preference has to be secondary to the purpose. The second statement we've made is that mission trumps method, that the mission always proceeds, always uh, comes first when we talk about methods. And so in a church this size, really in a church with more than two people, there's going to be times when you're going to have to defer to the mission and the purpose over my preference and the methods, right? That's just in any relationship, all right? But specifically as we think about the purpose of the church. So there's four points in the message. I want to give them to you right now, okay? So all of you who are like a little OCD and think I might miss a point, or you're going to get it right up front. You're going to feel so relaxed. It's going to be a great day for you in church, right? Number one, mystery, Okay, so when we read the text, I want you to to think through these four words as we read the text. The first word, mystery. The second word is message. Mystery, message number two. Number three is motive. All right, number three is motive. So as we read the text, I want you to think through, what's the motive here? What's the motive that Paul is speaking of? Number four is might. Okay, now to help you process through this, that's talking about power, okay? Not just, I might do something, all right? It's might, it's, it's power. Now, as we walk through this, I'm going to give you a sentence as we go through this, the message this morning that you're going to write out to each one of those that will explain or define what these four words mean, all right? So Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he, he being God, made known to me the mystery. All right, there's that, that word easily jumps off the page. The mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages is not made known to the sons of men 
as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. You might think about that word. Then it goes on, to me who am less than the least of all saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Again, so here's what Paul is saying, that it would be made known by the church, the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So let's unpack these words, the first one being mystery. It's interesting in verse number one here, Paul says that he's a prisoner, and if you know um, where he's a prisoner or who he's a prisoner of, he's actually a prisoner in Rome when he's writing this letter. But look what he says that who he's a prisoner of in verse number one. Let me read it. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, what does verse one say? Not of Rome, but of who? Paul was stating here, guess who was in control of the situation? Not Rome. God was in control. In fact, God had told him in a vision in Acts that he was going to go to Rome, and he was going to be bound, and he knew it was going to happen. But he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for who? Well, let's read it. It says, for you, for the Gentiles. Well, who's the Gentiles? Okay, Anyone who's not a Jew. Okay, Anyone who's not a Jew would classify as a Gentile. And so he's talking about this mystery. You, you saw in the text, we read that, that word shows up at least three times there. This mystery, this mystery, this mystery. Well, if it's a mystery, he's saying now the mystery has been revealed. He says that he revealed to the apostles, that he revealed, God himself revealed the mystery to Paul. Now, if God revealed this mystery, do you think it's important that we know what this mystery is? Just shake your head, all right? Do you want to know what the mystery is? Just pretend like you do if you don't. Verse 6 gives us the answer. Now, he said earlier, I, I, I told you about this mystery earlier. So if you want to go originally in, in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, talk about it. But then he unpacks it for us right here in the text in verse 6. He says, so here's the mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. What? It's, the church is not just for Jews. That's what Paul is saying. And he's saying the reason that I'm in prison is because he's preaching the mystery of Christ. What's the mystery? That the Gentiles can be a part of the body of Christ. Let's keep reading that verse. It says the same body and the partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. What Paul is saying is we're united in Christ by Christ for the cause of Christ. It's for the Jew and the Gentile, male, female, free, or slave, the mystery is now what has been hidden in the past is available to all. So here's the sentence I want you to write out the side of uh, this word mystery. God's grace is available to all. Aren't you glad the mystery was revealed? The mystery means that, that salvation, grace, is available to me. 
even though I'm not a Jew. It's available to all. All right, let's look at the second word, message here. All right, mystery, God's grace is available to all. The message, look in verse number eight. Again, Paul says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which is from the beginning of the age has been hidden in God who created all things. So the phrase I want you to kind of, as we think about this, is unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul says to me, whom less than the least of all the saints, grace was given to me that I should preach. And this word preach is not what we would typically think when, when we hear the word preach, we're thinking about what I'm doing right now. The preacher stands up and he does what? He preaches, right? But it, it's, the, the word is much broader than that. The word simply means to proclaim, to tell, or to declare. So I am declaring to you, therefore I am preaching, but a conversation that you have with somebody uh, in the locker room, at the mailbox, if you tell them the gospel, what you are doing according to this text is you are preaching to them the what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15 because in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul gives us this really concise message, preaching, teaching, however you want to word that, declaration of the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul has a message, and he says this message was, come, uh, was given to him. Now he's been commissioned to preach or to declare or to tell this message that's unsearchable riches of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 15 unpacks it really quickly, very clearly. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare, so there's that word, right? We could use the word preach. I declare to you the gospel. What does gospel mean? It simply means good news. I declare to you the good news which I preach to you, which also you received in, which you stand, by which also you were, what's the word? Saved. So Paul says here, I declare to you, I preach to you, I told to you the gospel, the good news. You received it, and when you receive the gospel, the good news, and you believe the good news, the gospel, you were, what's the word? Saved. What does that word saved means? Well, it means to be set free. It means to be rescued. It means to be redeemed. Uh, It means that we're saved from something. What are we saved from? Well, Romans 3.23 says that all, all, are you a part of all? All have what? Sin. We've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, though, says that the wages, the punishment... The penalty of sin is what? Death. Death meaning eternal separation from God our creator. And so Paul here in 1 Corinthians says, the gospel, the good news, if you believe it, you will be saved. Well, I'm saved from what? The penalty of my sin. I've been rescued. I've been redeemed. I now not have a penalty of death, but I have life. Do you want life this morning? Well, so we have to define something, it seems like, in the text. Because he says the gospel, the good news, if you believe it, if you receive it, you can have salvation, be freed from the penalty of sin, but doesn't really define yet what the gospel is, other than good news. Well, look at verse 3 and 4, because 3 and 4, again, clearly define 
what Paul is saying the message is, the unsearchable riches of Christ he mentions in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. So here comes the good news. If you believe it, you can be saved. Here's what it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul is saying here in Corinthians... If, that I preached the gospel to you, the good news, you believed it, and because you believed it, you were saved. And then he defines what the gospel is. It's very simple. So everyone, everyone in here can understand this, right? This is very simple. Here's the gospel. I'm going to believe that Jesus died for my sins, like the scripture said he would. They placed him in a tomb, like they said he would. Three days later, like we just sang about, he came back to life like he said he would. Do you, do you believe that? That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so Paul is saying the unsearchable riches of Christ are Jesus died, he was buried, he came back to life, and if I believe that, I can be saved, which means I can be redeemed, which means I don't have to pay the penalty of sin, which is death. I can have eternal life. I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ my Lord. That's good news. Amen. So maybe this morning you've never believed the gospel. Hey, maybe this morning this is the first time it's been explained to you. And what I want you to know is that you can place your faith in Jesus right now. It's as simple as I've just explained it. Paul is saying, you heard the gospel, I told you the gospel, you believed the gospel, and you were saved because you believed the gospel. Amen. So here's what you could do right now this morning. I made this decision when I was 17 years old. I had heard the gospel my entire life. I grew up in church, but I never received it for myself until I was 17 years old. And here's what you have to do. Right, right where you're at this morning, right in this moment, you talk to God. And you tell the Lord, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died to pay my debt for my sins. I believe they placed Jesus in the tomb. And I believe he came back to life. And Lord, I'm asking you to save me because I believe. Could everybody just close your eyes for a moment? Again, maybe this morning, I, I don't know everyone in the room, maybe this is your first time ever in a church and you're hearing this for the first time and and you're like, I, I don't know. Maybe you've heard it 10 times. Maybe you're like me. You've heard it your entire life, but you've never applied it to yourself. You've never received it for yourself. Can I ask you, can I beg with you, can I plead with you to do it right now? It's just you where you're seated, confessing, praying to the Lord through the Spirit of God. You may some, say something like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess my need for Jesus. I confess my faith in Jesus. Lord, I want to be saved. I want to ask this morning as, as our eyes are still closed, would anyone say this morning, John, 
I just prayed that right here this morning, right, right where I was seated. Just, would you just put your hand up right now? Just put your hand up. I prayed that prayer right now. Would you just put your hand up? I'm the only one looking right now. Just put your hand up. Thank you in the back. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. If you put it up high, please, I'm kind of looking around. Oh, another one in the stadium. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Another one in the stadium. Another one in the stadium. Anyone else? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for how simple and yet how profound the gospel really is. That you sent your son to die in our place and if we'll simply place our faith in him, we can have salvation. Lord, I thank you for those who made a decision today. Lord, I, th- I pray that you would give them the courage to talk to someone about it after the service. Lord, I pray that you would reassure them through the power of the Holy Spirit to continue calling on you, to know more of you. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those who gave their life to Christ today? Praise the Lord. And I, I just want to, if you prayed that prayer this morning, here's an easy way for you to let us know. In the connect card there in the pew in front of you, you can fill it out. Just right on the back. On the back, there's some blank lines. Just right, I gave my life to Jesus. You can hand that to me after the service. I would love to talk to you about it. If you want to just put it in the boxes on the way out, you can do that. Or you can put in the offering at the close of our service. But don't go away this morning without telling someone. It's the greatest decision you have ever made in your life. And we want to celebrate that with you. Because God is good. And all the time, you thought you were getting out early. We still got two more points, all right? Number three. Number three, motive. All right? Let me give you the, the, the um, sentence for message, okay? So mystery, God's grace is available to all. Message, if you believe, you will be saved. Motive. All right? We're talking about motive. Look at verse number seven. It says here, Paul again writing, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. Understand what Paul is saying here, that the grace of God came to me. It's by God's grace. It wasn't because Paul was good. In fact, if we were to all line ourselves up against Paul and his standard and the wicked person that he was before Christ came to him, we would all probably be better than Paul. Paul actually killed people who believed in Jesus. My assumption this morning is that you haven't done that. Okay? If you have, we can still talk about it. It's okay. okay. God can still forgive you because he forgave Paul. And Paul never forgot how bad he was. Paul never forgot that he was a sinner of all sin. In fact, in one passage, I'm a chief of all sinners. I'm the worst of the worst. I'm a murderer. Not only was he a murderer, he murdered people because they believed in Jesus. Paul says, it was by the grace of God. God reached down and told me that if I'll simply believe, I can be saved. 
Let's keep reading because he says it again. Verse 8, to me who am less than the least of all the saints. Again, you get this understanding. Paul never forgot who he was. Paul never forgot how much he ran from God. Paul never forgot that he was a sinner saved by grace. He says, I'm the least of all the saints. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Paul never got over his salvation. And you know what I'm afraid of for many of us longtime Christians? We've gotten over our salvation. We've gotten over the reality and the truth that none of us deserve God's grace. We were just as bad as Paul. We were just as far away from God as Paul was. And yet, sometimes, me in my own life especially, I've been in church so long, I've been a Christian so long, that I forget that it's only by the grace of God that someone told me about Jesus. And Paul never forgot. The motive for him was what he acknowledged Grace received should be grace shared. And I'm guilty, just as guilty as you are, that I get busy doing my own thing and I miss opportunities to share Jesus all the time. But I don't want to. I want to be better. I want to be more like Paul. I want to be more like Christ, that when I have opportunities, you know, uh, this week, I had an opportunity. We, we got uh, my son and my nephew, uh, my brother and I, we all went and met up in Kansas to go to the Kansas basketball game on Monday night. If you know anything about basketball, you know what happened Monday night. There's no video evidence of me being a part of that fight, so we're going to talk about that. Whew, it was interesting. Okay, the, the name of the game every year is called the Sunflower Showdown. Okay, it's Kansas versus Kansas State. The new name now is Sunflower Throwdown, okay? So that's just what it is. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it. I promise you'll figure it out quickly. Just don't do it right now, okay? But on the way back Thursday, I was, you know, getting on the plane. I've, how many of you, when you get on the plane, you already have your itinerary planned out, what you're going to do when you get there, right? It's an hour, maybe an hour and a half flight. I, I, at one point, even had my headphones already in my ear because I was like, I don't want to talk to nobody. I had a book that somebody gave me I was going to read. I mean, I had it all planned out. I'm like, I can read this book on this flight. I got a goal. I'm going to do it. I sit down. My headphones were in my pocket here. And the flight wasn't full, which, praise God, right? You're like, you guys ever have that when you're, when you're sitting in the aisle and you see people come? And you're like, don't look at my row. Don't look at my row. Don't look at my row. <laughs> And then you, you make eye contact, and you're both like, ah, oh. they're on my own. That's what happened. This lady gets in, and I'm like, at some point, I'm just going to move behind me because the whole row behind me is empty. And she sits down, and we start talking, and then we didn't stop talking. And I realized this lady doesn't know Jesus. Her husband doesn't know Jesus. Her 11-year-old boy doesn't know Jesus. Her 9-year-old daughter doesn't know Jesus. And God has set her down beside me. And what am I going to do now? I put my headphones... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you that story. So we had this hour, hour and a half long conversation. And I was inviting her to the church my kids go to in Springfield where she lives talked a lot about her. Her husband grew up in the Church of England uh, right outside of London. She grew up in a Catholic church, and now neither one of them go to church because those didn't quite fit. And I told her, I said, 
look, I know this church. My kids go to this church. If you go to this church, they're not, they're not going to judge you. They don't care if you're a Catholic Church of England. They don't care. Here's the one thing they're going to, here's the only thing they're worried about. Do you know Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? That's the only thing they're going to be worried about. And I tell you that not to brag on myself. I tell you that to say most of the time in my own life, I forget that the grace I've received should be shared. Amen. And what would it be like if everybody in the room was more worried about the people who don't know Jesus. You know, we're, we're in this building for an hour a week. How much more opportunity do we have outside of the, the walls of this building? If we're more focused on those people who aren't here, it would be a different place. And I could point my finger at you and tell you to do better, but I learned a long time ago that when I'm pointing at you, guess what? I've got three more fingers pointing back. I, maybe that's why my dad always did this. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> now, I want to show you a short video clip. And, and I'll set the clip up. You know, I know we have some kids in here. It's a war movie. We've kind of edited it down, so there's not really anything graphic. But if you feel like you need to get out, get out. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's a story of one man in World War II who decided that he wasn't going to carry a gun into battle because of his faith. He got ridiculed, he got mocked, he got beaten because of his faith. But in one particular battle, he saved 75 men. What would, what would lead him to do that? Well, watch, the, watch the video. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. about the motive, the passion.
there was a life or death situation for those men stuck up on that ridge. And that man knew that if he didn't get back up there and get one more, they were going to die. Paul, the motive, he knew that if he didn't proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ, the gospel, the good news, that people were going to die. It's a life or death situation, isn't it? And I wonder for us, for me, every day do I think the grace I've received should be shared. Because more times than not, if I'm going to be completely transparent with you today, I put my headphones on and I get my book out and I don't have the conversation. What if, what if we were so focused on the prayer of Jesus that we were so unified for the purpose and the mission that every single day we had conversations like that? Why, why would we live in unity? It's so the world would know and the world would believe. The fourth word is might. The fourth word is might, and again, it's the power of God. So let me give you this sentence for number three. Motive. Grace received should be shared. Might. Verse 7, Paul says, Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power, of God's power. He goes on in verse number 14 and six through 16. He says that he, would, he was praying for us that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory, verse 16, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Paul is understanding that if we're going to be unified, if we're going to be focused, if we're going to have the spirit of, of the right motive to reach one more for Jesus, it's going to have to be the power of God in us, working through us. And, and that's the understanding here, that God works in us, sometimes on us, so he can work through us. Paul says it's going to have to be the, look at verse number 20, Ephesians chapter 3. It says, him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Why do we want to focus tonight on a Sunday evening of worship and prayer? For, for a church, any church, to be one, so the world will know and the world will believe it has to be a work of God. I cannot will it to happen. You cannot will it to happen. The power of the Holy Spirit has to rest on this place and in my life. And as the Holy Spirit works on my inner man, he works on me and in me so that he can work through me. That's only going to happen through the power of God in my life the power of God working in your life. So I'm going to ask the band if they'd make their way to the front. And I'm going to give you this last sentence here, just in conclusion. Mystery, God's grace is available to all. Message, if you believe, you will be saved. Motive, grace received, should be shared. And then might, God works in us so he can work through us. God works in us so he can work through us. You see the question there on the bottom of your bulletin. Are you helping the church, are you helping the Lord fulfill his purpose? 
What do we say? The big idea, the purpose of the church is to make God known. The concluding question then is, are you helping the church fulfill the purpose? Let me ask you just a few more questions that I want you to wrestle with this morning. And, and you can only, you're the only one that can answer this question. I can't answer it for you. What's keeping you from sharing Jesus? Grace received should be grace shared. What's keeping you from sharing Jesus? What's keeping you from reaching someone? Okay, let me answer it for you. I said I wasn't going to. Here's what I think. The reason in my life, and probably in your life, it comes down to one word. We've already talked about that word this morning. It's surrender. When Jesus went to the garden, moments before he would be arrested, beaten, and hung on a cross, remember the conversation he had with the Lord? God, if there is any other way. Nevertheless, God, not my will, but God, your will be done. What was Jesus doing? Raising his hand and saying, I surrender. And I think the reason that many of us don't share our faith because we're really not surrendered to the God's control in our life. So, three questions and I'll be done. Will you surrender to God's will today? I can't answer that for you. You've got to answer it for yourself. Will you lay aside your preferences for the purpose? Will you focus on the mission, not the methods? Is the purpose God has given the church more important than anything else? That's what I'm asking you. And this morning, if you're willing to say, God, I'm surrendering, you're in control, I want to be used of you, I want to share my faith, I want to be on mission, I want to fulfill the purpose of the church to tell people about Jesus. If, if you want to do that today, and you're going to commit to do that today, would you just stand up where you're at and walk down here to the front? Right now, just stand up, walk down to the front. And you're making a commitment today, not to me, not to the church. This is a commitment to the Lord. God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to your will, to your plan, to your mission. And God, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it, I want to be willing to share my faith. I want to be willing to have those conversations. I want to be willing to take the headphones out. I want to be willing to put the book down and just tell someone that Jesus loves them. I'm going to be willing to lay aside my preferences for the purpose of the church. I'm going to be willing to say, God, I don't care. I, I just want the mission. I want, I want people to know that Jesus loves them. I want people to know that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for them. Again, let's come back to the word surrender. You standing here this morning is a surrender. God, I'm surrendering my plan my will to your plan and your will and my guess is that most of you know this song what well, we're going to sing this morning I just want you to stand and worship this morning if you want to pray we wrap up I just want to together worship 
at the altar and sing this familiar hymn, I Surrender All.